God is good all the time. Today we draw the E2D series to an end. Uh, Next week we begin our journey toward Easter and we officially start the 500 initiative. First of all, I have some good news. We were looking for 500 evangelists to invite one new person to church a week for 500 weeks. We hit 500 on Tuesday. Let's give God a hand. Walking into church today, we're at 509. I know that we are even stronger than that. And uh, I'm really excited about the potential that this offers. Also, it's been really exciting just to look on social media, to hear and read the texts and testimonies you guys have given me as to what God is doing in your hearts as a result of saying yes to this call of God. You know, when we're put with a challenge, when a challenge is in front of us, it it begins by sort of giving us career-ending stomach cramps, right? So, and we think, I can't do it, I can't do it, somebody else is gonna have to do it, and then God goes, nah, you're gonna have to do it, and then we say, nah, God, I think somebody else can do it, and then God says, no, you're gonna have to do it, and then finally we go, boom, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it. And when we say yes, there's freedom that comes, right? When you say yes to Jesus, there is freedom that comes all over you. But then as you begin to invite people, then all of a sudden you begin to experience just the fullness and the pleasure of the Lord in what you're doing. And and you can just tell you're, you're in a God stride. And then as you plant those seeds, some God stories begin to happen. And you guys have just been sharing those with me and sharing them online. And there is so much energy in that. And that's what we want to keep going because we are caught up in a God thing. And that is what this is all about. Big idea of E2D is that the biblical model for a growing and effective church is that you have to make new Christians, turn new Christians into disciples, and then send disciples out to make new Christian. Two parts evangelism, one part discipleship, E to D. There are four overreaching ideas we've looked at in this series. The first is to clearly define what we mean by the gospel. And what I would just want to say to you, it's not my gospel or your gospel. The gospel is what the Bible says it is. Number two, we need to embrace the gospel as good news. This is good news we're sharing. Number three, we need to fully embrace God's imperative to share the gospel. And number four, we need to receive the power to share the gospel effectively. This is number four. So what is the gospel? We're going to review just a little bit. This comes directly from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3. This is what the Bible says the gospel is. Number one, Jesus died for our sins. The Bible teaches we are all sinners Sin separates us from God, and sin is a terminal soul disease. We are all sinners. Jesus died for our sin. Number two, the scriptures are accurate testimony. We can accept biblical teaching. We can reject biblical teaching, but you don't get to modify it. We have to accept it or reject it. And the Bible doesn't sit up all night worried that you may not like it or worried that our culture may not like it. 
The Bible stands as the word of God. When this culture and its sensibilities are long forgotten by history, the Bible will still be shining like a new dime. Number three, Jesus was buried. He was dead on a cross, taken down, wrapped in cloth, buried in a tomb. And then number four, Jesus rose from the dead. On Resurrection Sunday morning, the Spirit of God filled the dead corpse of Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus Christ ran out of that grave. And because he lives, so too can we live eternally. And then number five, there were witnesses. This actually happened. The notion that it doesn't really matter if Jesus rose from the dead is antithetical to the claims of the gospel and of Jesus himself. Jesus claimed to be the son of God and have the power to forgive sins, not to be a great moral teacher. That's just an option that's not left to us. He's either the son of God or he's something completely different. But we don't get to just say he's something he never claimed to be. I believe the gospel is good news. And that's why I love to share the gospel because I believe it's good news. In Christ, we are offered genuine community. And we'll talk about that in this message. It's part of what we have to offer is community. We are also offered lives filled with passion and power and peace and purpose. It all begins the moment we receive Christ into our life and it never ends. And it's so powerful that not even death is a speed bump on that time continuum. We're not pushing religion And as you share your faith, as you invite people, we are not pushing religion. We are celebrating the opportunity to have a relationship with the living God made available to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to dive headfirst into the power source of all this. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after the resurrection... The believers were all meeting in one place. There were three Jewish festivals that were held. And if you lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem, you were mandated to attend. They were Passover, Tabernacles, and Pentecost. But Jewish pilgrims from all over the world dreamed of making pilgrimage to Jerusalem to attend these festivals. It was a really big deal. And it was part of expressing their faith. On this particular Pentecost, 120 disciples were living in obedience to a resurrected and now ascended Christ. And what I want you to understand, there's only 120 Christians in the world. 120, they're all there. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Ghost comes upon you. They are living in obedience. The first thing you need to understand, if we are going to experience the fullness of the lives God has for us, we have to live in obedience to God. You can't just live in disobedience and expect the good stuff from God. We have to be obedient. When we are obedient to God and what God puts us on our on our hearts and the clear and consistent teachings of Scripture, when we are obedient, We are in position to receive God's best for us on one hand and to be used mightily for God on the other. First step, obedience. Verses two and three. Suddenly, a sound like a mighty wind filled the house where they were meeting. And then what looked like tongues or flames of fire appeared and settled on each of them. 
I love this. I love this. What were the 120 doing? They were worshiping God. They were praying. And all of a sudden, God just showed up. And, and it kind of shows up. The, the Greek, is, it sort of shows up in the form of an indoor thunderstorm. It says the, 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 the things just kind of begin to swirl. You, you begin to hear a sound like a rush of a mighty wind, like a storm blowing in. And as the people looked at what would have been a vaulted ceiling in an upper room, they, they begin to, to see and feel the presence of God. Have you ever really felt the presence of God? If you have, nothing else will ever do if you've ever truly experienced the presence of God. And all of a sudden, these tongues of fire, these flames of fire begin just swirling about. And I always have sound effects. You know, it's kind of these sound effects and these tongues of fire are swirling about. And then they start landing on people. And when they land on people, they are empowered, suddenly empowered in ways they have never been empowered before. What are they empowered to do? They're empowered to carry out the command of Christ. Jesus said, announce to the world that there is forgiveness of sin for all who will repent. That is the good news. And that is what the Spirit empowered those 120 Christians to do. Verse four, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. In the whole of the Bible, this particular manifestation of the Spirit happens once, where people are able to preach in languages they had not learned. What we need to remember here is the gift of the Holy Spirit gives Christians the proper tools to carry out the commission of Christ. Don't fall in love with the hammer. Fall in love with the God who through the Holy Spirit gives us the right tools to be effective witnesses. The gift of tongues was not the ends of Pentecost. It was the means of Pentecost. The ends was that believers were empowered. The gospel was effectively proclaimed. And the good news went from Jerusalem to the other parts of the earth. Don't fall in love with the gift Fall in love with the giver. Tongues were how God equipped that group at that time to communicate the message. God has used many different gifts in many different ways. The big idea here is that God will empower us to do what God asks us to do. God will empower us to do what God asks us to do. Verse five, an international crowd of Jews were in Jerusalem for Pentecost. So now we begin to understand this gift a little bit. Deep within the hearts of first century Jews was a desire to go back to Jerusalem to celebrate these feasts and these holy days. Jews lived all across the Mediterranean by that time. They'd been pushed out by persecution. They had left and for looking for opportunity. A lot of reasons that Jewish people had spread out. But there was a dream in many of their hearts, even two or three generations down the line, to go back to Jerusalem and to be able to celebrate one of these holy days. Well, Pentecost has the best sailing weather of any of the three holidays. So it's really a time that it was pretty easy to get to Jerusalem as far as travel in the first century went. So for Pentecost, the city would have been filled, filled with Jews, yes, but many Jews from all over the place. 
And many of them would have had first language that they spoke and second language that they spoke that would not have been prevailing language that were there. And the miracle was that every single person there had the gospel preached effectively to them in a language they best understood by people who had not learned those languages. It's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. A lot of times we think the miracle at Pentecost was that people spoke in tongues. That's not the whole of it. They also had to have something to say. I know a lot of people that speak English. They just never have anything to say. <laughs> they spoke in unknown languages and they had something to say. Verse 6. They came running toward the sound and were bewildered to hear the gospel being preached in their native languages. People will always come running toward the sound. I remember when I was in high school, fight would break out on occasion. Everybody ran toward the fight. Everybody. You just run toward the scuffle. People just run toward the sound. Guys, you want to know what makes evangelism really, really easy? You want to know what makes inviting people to church really, really easy? When the Holy Spirit's moving there already. When people can sense that the Spirit is in the midst, when they can sense that there are people who are excited about Jesus, who actually love and care about each other, and that are out there actively inviting others to be a part of a faith community, when there is excitement, people will run toward the sound. There are a lot of people in our culture today who have no sense of purpose, no sense of hope, no sense of peace, no sense of passion, no sense of power in their life. And if they think they've got a shot at that somewhere, and if they see someone who actually has those things as a part of a community, a lot of people are going to want to be a part of it. We are offering something a lot of people have as the very desire of their heart. It is a lie of Satan to believe that people today don't want to hear the good news. They want to hear the good news more than ever, and they need the good news more than ever. We just have to trust the Holy Spirit to allow us to share it effectively. They were bewildered to hear. They were also bewildered by the messengers. The messengers were primarily Galileans. Galileans at the time were generally looked down upon by the Jerusalemites. They were seen as not as well-educated, not as well-cultured. These were hot-headed, hard-drinking people, weren't as disciplined with religion, tended to fist fight a lot, always wanted to have a revolution, sort of had a thick accent. And these were people that nobody in a million years would have expected to come down to Jerusalem and speak fluently in a whole assortment of languages and have something to say. It's not just what happened, it's also the miracle of the messenger. Now, as you guys step into inviting people to church, as you step into 500, Satan is gonna whisper in your ear, who are you to invite anybody to church? You are nothing but a hypocrite. Satan is gonna whisper in your ear, look at all of your failures, look at all of the things you've started and didn't finish, look at all the times you've stumbled, look at all the times you have fallen. Satan is gonna say you have no moral authority whatsoever to present the good news or invite anyone to church. But let me tell you something about Satan. He is a liar, he's the father of lies, and there's no truth in him. And we can tell him to shut up and go to hell in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's where we are gonna have to stand our ground as Christian people. 
Okay, maybe you do have a rough background. You have street credit with other people who are where you were. And your witness is going to infinitely land more boldly and powerfully than my witness. Some people are going to look at you and say, I know how that person used to be. I can't believe they're inviting me to church. They're the last person I ever thought would invite me to church. Guys, God's got their attention. You may not be what you're going to be, but if you're not what you used to be, let God use you where you are. Let God use you where you are. The messengers are important as well. You see, at Pentecost, God did not call the equipped. He equipped the called. I'm not saying you don't need some training. Go through our good news classes. Go Pick up a a copy of That's Good News. I I wrote that book just to equip Christians to share their faith. Learn a little bit. There's nothing wrong with learning a little bit. But book knowledge does not replace the power of the Holy Spirit. We need both of those things happening. And God can use you right where you are and who you are to reach people I'll never be able to reach. Don't let the devil talk you out of being a part of this because God is going to use you in ways you cannot imagine. Verse 12, the crowd was amazed and perplexed. What could this mean? Becoming a spirit-filled disciple of Jesus Christ will take us against the flow of this culture. You see, the world, circa 2023, has no idea what to do with a spirit-filled Christian. So guess what they do? They try to stereotype us and lump us into these big, wild stereotypes and dismiss us. But you know what? Uh, I find that the attributes of a spirit-filled Christian are very difficult to dismiss if you actually know one. You see, the world has no idea what to do with people today who actually believe that there is such a thing as right and wrong. They have no idea what to do with people who actually try to live according to biblical teaching. They have no idea what to do with people who don't get mad on one hand or back down on the other hand. They, they have no idea what to do with us. The world doesn't know what to do with people who choose love over hate, serving over being served, generosity over accumulation, and significance over success. They have no idea what to do with us. The world has no idea what to do with optimistic people with a sparkle in their eye. Song on their lips, some pep in their step, and some hope in their heart. You want to stand out? Just act like you're in a good mood and that living isn't an annoyance to you. That'll stand out by itself these days. Go out there in a good mood. Be polite. Treat people well. You will stand out. And anything you're handing out, they will want one. I guarantee it. And then it says, but others thought the disciples were drunk. Well, of course they did. Seriously, of course they did. When God moves in powerful ways, we just have to expect pushback. And if you are stepping up, you just need to expect pushback. Satan never wants to give up spiritual ground. And once you take some, he's going to try to get it back. And the sooner he can get it back, the better. So just expect it. Just expect it. So when you decide to be a part of the 500... If there are some things that start going wrong and blowing up, you just need to expect that. That's how it goes. But James reminds us, resist the devil and he will flee. 
You don't have to get backed off of that ground. Take the ground, stand firm, hold your ground, and resist the devil. Keep doing what you said you were going to do. Keep attending church. Keep inviting people to church. Keep living for God, and those attacks will go away. They'll go away, and you will not only have taken new ground, you will retain new ground. So when you step into this, do you need to pray God's protection over your family? Oh, yeah. Do you need to pray God's protection over your business? Oh, yeah. Do you need to pray God's protection over your extended family and your marriage and the people you're around? Oh, yeah. Pray for God's protection. You want to know why? Because when you step up, you've got Satan's attention. I watched the World Baseball Classic last night. Anybody watch any of that? Adam Wainwright pitched. We had Arnado and Goldschmidt. It was great. Thoroughly enjoyed it. But I want you to imagine playing a baseball game and you're playing a team. They've got a player. This player bat, bats a buck nothing. This guy bats about 100. You wouldn't be afraid to let him hit you with a bat, all right? This guy's just got nothing at the plate. How are you gonna prepare for that guy? You're not gonna prepare for that guy. You don't have to prepare to get that guy out. He gets himself out. You're gonna put your preparation somewhere else. The last thing you're gonna do is worry about that guy. He's not gonna hurt you. But I want you to imagine that one offseason, this guy decides to muscle up. He decides that he's going to get a coach. He decides to redo his swing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy can suddenly hit. All of a sudden, this guy has your attention. You're going to need to decide how you're going to pitch him. You're going to have to start figuring out how to get him out. It's the same thing with us. If we are of no threat to Satan, he's not going to expend any energy on us. We're getting ourselves out. But when we decide we're going to invite one new person a week to church for 60 weeks, you, my friend, have his attention. You have his attention. Of course he's going to come at you. Of course he's going to try to get you out. But what I want you to realize is that we have the victory in the name of Jesus. We have the power given to us by the Holy Spirit to be not only witnesses, but effective witnesses. And we can take authority over those things Satan throws at us in the name of Jesus. And it's not even going to slow us down. In fact, it'll end up making us better and stronger Christians. See, the problem with Satan, he always overplays his hand. And what he throws out there to destroy us, if we will just be strong that'll actually end up making us stronger. It will strengthen our witness, not drive our witness out. A lot of times we get pushback and pushback can be hard if you're not used to a lot of it. Usually comes in the form of a floating hunk of stupid just kinda coming down life river, right? I'm just gonna suggest when you see that, just let it float on by. Seriously, don't, just let it float on by. It'll be gone soon enough. You know, instead of getting all defensive and radiating at high speeds, just, just casually, don't even look. See if a hunk of floating stupid, eh, you know, eh. And then just remind the devil, he's already defeated in the name of Jesus. He has no authority over you. Just move on. Just move on. The immediate effects of Pentecost produced 3,000 new Christians. And disciple-making, evangelizing, unified, and empowering faith community called the church emerged. So let's take a look as we close as to what the church is all about. Now, when we invite people to church, we're inviting them to a faith community. So what should this community look like? Well, we don't have to wonder about that either. 
Because we get characteristics of the Spirit-filled church from chapter 2, verse 42 and following. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing and communion and prayer. And then it gives us eight things that that produces. Let's take a look at those eight. Number one, wonder. Wonder. Verse 43, awe came over them all. In a Spirit-filled church, God is going to blow us away every single day. We are going to be amazed at the goodness of our God. We're going to be blown away by what God's doing. And then we're going to find that God can use people like us, and that's going to blow us away even still more. So there's a sense of wonder, a sense of wonder. Wonder doesn't come from tracking a bulletin toward conclusion of a worship service. Wonder comes when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and miracles start happening in your life. That's when you get a sense of wonder. When God starts to do what no one else can do. When God heals what the doctor couldn't heal. When God restores what the psychologist couldn't restore. When God does what no one else can do. That is when, that is when we begin to be in awe of God. Number two, miracles. Miracles happen all the time. It's just we don't pray for them enough. And when they do, we don't celebrate them. Isn't that something? I can't tell you how many times people ask for prayer and God answers the prayer in unbelievable ways and then nobody talks about it. Well, I don't want to brag. What? The whole idea of being a witness is bragging on God. It's bragging on God. It's it's giving glory to God. It's blessing the name of God. God loves that stuff. When God does something in your life, Can I use a New Testament phrase? We need to shout it from the housetops. We need to post it, tweet it. I mean, we need to tell the story, text it. We need to get word out. When God has moved in our lives, we need to give God praise. We need to let people know God is still in the miracle working business. Number three, fellowship. My favorite definition of fellowship was coined by my dad. A bunch of fellows in the same ship. I like it. Somebody comes to Christ Church, they're getting on our ship. Let's give them some good fellowship. It says the believers met together constantly. We we Christians are a sticky lot. The Jesus in us wants to connect with the Jesus in other people. We need to let that happen warm and beautifully. One of the things I've always heard about healthy churches is that people stick around. People don't just come and leave in healthy churches. They they, they want to stay. They, They want to go to the coffee cafe and get some coffee, they want to browse around the bookstore, they want to introduce themselves to to a few people, they they want to stay. They just want to be here in the presence of the Lord. On Wednesday nights, we have Going Deeper. I love Going Deeper and kind of got this unplugged worship that Josh Gillum leads. And they start practicing about 4.30, 5 o'clock, you know, and the sound comes out well before anybody's here. And and I just love just being around. I, I love just hearing it. I love just hearing it. Sometimes I just get to where I can, I'm in earshot and I just sit down because I just like being in the atmosphere of that. That's what fellowship is, being in the atmosphere of God. Number four, generosity. They sold their possessions. They shared the proceeds with those in need. They gave. They're givers. We had a situation here. Last year was the best year we've ever had financially. We started the year this year. I told everybody when I came here 26 years ago, I said, I'm not going to talk about money all the time, but I'll always be honest with you and I'll always tell you the truth and we'll always have full disclosure. There we go. And, and so we were just pretty mediocre. So 
I, word gets to me that we're doing pretty mediocre because I, I just say I don't really keep up would be an understatement. So word gets to me that we're a little mediocre and, and I just went to the Lord. God, we're doing all these things, all this initiative, please. We're getting ready to drive the car really fast. Can you make sure there's oil and gas in it? And, you know, just prayed, left it with the Lord. Guess what happened last week? We had one of the biggest weekly offerings we've ever had in our history. We didn't announce there was a need. God just moved on people's hearts. God did what we couldn't do. When you're in a spirit-filled church, there's generosity. When God needs people to step up, he just pings them. You need to write an extra big check today because I'm getting ready to do something incredible. We just need to live, live those obedient lives. Number five, worship. They worship together every single day. The closer you get to God, the more you want to worship. Worship's recharging. I, I think we're healed when we worship. I, I think God does miracles in us when we worship. I think God doesn't just recharge our cell phones. I think he fixes them when we worship. And I don't think there's a healthier, more beautiful thing to do than worship. I know we all worship differently, but I never will forget uh, a few years back, I asked somebody, I said, how come when you worship, you always lift up your hands so high? Looked at me, said, because I can't keep them down. And I thought, well, that's, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> yeah, just a pretty good answer. I, I like that a lot. Worship. Number six, a good reputation. The church enjoyed the goodwill of the people. Guys, if we're being the church, will Satan come at us? Of course he does. Will Satan's people bark at us? Of course they will. That's what they do. They're like little barky dogs people have. Satan's just kind of like that. But the reality is they're no threat to you. They're just annoying. But it says that if we're the church, we will enjoy the, the goodwill of the people. People see that we're an asset to this community. They say, I may not know, I may not understand everything that's happening there, but I do drive by, and there sure are a lot of cars, and I hear a lot of good things about Christ Church. Guys, that is the place to start, with a good reputation. And then number seven is just growth. And each day, the Lord added to their group those that are being saved. As we enter this 500 initiative, are we going to grow? Absolutely. Is the purpose of this to grow? Absolutely not. The purpose of this is to connect as many people to Christ as we possibly can. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, we're going to have to figure things out when we start growing. We get that. We get that. And so we're excited about doing that. We're already working on that. We're already working on how do we handle the, the blessing that God is about to give us. But if you want to know why that we're doing 500, if you think it's just so we can get more people, so we can count more heads, you've got to be kidding me. We're doing this so our mission is to connect people with Jesus. We wanna connect as many people as we possibly can. And that is what we pray. We're praying that hearts come to Jesus Christ. We're praying that marriages are restored, that families are put back together, that prodigals come home, the addicted are set free, and people who are living a horrible life right now will find true life in Jesus Christ. And we're going to welcome them into this faith community, and we're going to walk with them. Guys, that's what we're doing here. This isn't about numbers. This is about fulfilling the Great Commission under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're doing here. So, so today is the last kind of onboard day for 500. 
So again, 500 is simply, we are asking 500 people to invite one new person to church every week for 60 weeks. There's a packet right outside and you can also sign up today. But there's a packet outside. It's got 60 blanks when you invite someone, whether it be Bob, Julie, waiter, whoever it is, just write it down so that you can fill up your card. We're giving you things to pass out. We also are giving you tips and ways to be able to do that online. You need to understand not everything has to be face-to-face. You can send someone a personal text, those kind of things. But we're going to teach you how to do that. We're going to equip you in doing that. But today, we're going to give you that final opportunity to stand up or to sign up. Many of you have already been commissioned, and praise God for that. But some of you, I know we've got some folks that are just back from uh, some snowbirds just flew back in from the sunny south today. And I know that there are some of you that sent me notes. Hey, I hope you're still doing this today because we want to get commissioned. You can still sign up today. So what we're going to do is during this final part, I'm going to ask Reverend Mike to come out and pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We all need that. Let's get some Holy Ghost flying around here. We all need that. And then he is going to offer a commissioning for those who... Uh, are ready to sign up today and to be a part of this or haven't been commissioned. And then right up here at the front, I'll be in the middle. Mike will be on one side. Carmen will be on the other side. Those of you who are ready to sign up today or have not been commissioned yet, you guys come up. We're gonna anoint you with oil and we're gonna commission you. That's what we're gonna do. You can sign up right outside the door at the desk. Someone did ask me, they said, now that you have more than 500, Are you going to accept more people? I said, ask me a serious question. Of course we will. (laughs) And then they said, are you going to change the name? I said, of course not. We've already printed the stuff. So that's where we are. Reverend Mike, would you come lead us in prayer? Reverend Carmen, we'll get ready here and we'll commission those who wish to be commissioned today. Amen. Thank you, Reverend Shane. Will you all pray with me? Well, God, we hear... Reverend Shane's message, we hear what the Bible points us to, to be a spirit-filled church. We hear those points, God. And you know, Lord, we first start out and say, sometimes we don't feel very spirit-filled, but we thank you for your grace. We also honor you, God, that we've seen this be a spirit-filled community. Thank you, God, for that. Lord, we want more of it. So no matter where we're at right now, whether it be here in person or online, we take a moment and we open up our hearts. We open up our minds. Our hands are open, God, for you to pour out your Holy Spirit in our hearts to refresh us, God, to fill us with the joy that comes from only you. So that, yes, we might be this community full of wonder, where miracles are breaking out, where fellowship is apparent, where generosity is here, where we are worshiping you, where we have this great reputation. And, yes, the growth, the fruitfulness that comes from being connected to you. So we pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us this day. At the same time, God, we thank you for those who've already stepped up for this commissioning. Thank you for them, God. We pray your blessing upon them. And for those where this is their day, that they feel the ping, that they've heard Reverend Shane's words, 
and they know that you are calling them to step out and be a part of 500. We thank you for them. We pray that your power comes upon them and peace. And God, we pray that they are filled with the joy that comes whenever we say yes to you. Also in this time, God, I think about those whom this is really about, those people you are going to ping us to invite. Will you bless them that they may know you, Jesus, know your power, know the passion and purpose and peace that comes from a relationship with you. We thank you, God, that we get to be a part of something big like this, and we get to do it here together in this season. We love you. We give you all the praise through Jesus' strong name and God's people said, amen. Amen. Stand.